morning, everyone, and welcome to Julia Spare's Moving Markets podcast. It's Thursday, the 10th of August, and my name is Helen Freer. So we're all looking out for the crucial US inflation data due out later on today. On this morning's show, I'll be talking about this and more market news with my colleague, Mike Rauber. And then Ronnie Kaufman will give us an update from the CIO office. But let's start with the latest market news. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Helen. So I've just mentioned it. The big data release for markets today is the US inflation report. What's our take on this? Yeah, indeed. uh, It's really what traders will be looking at today at uh, 2.30 European uh, Central Time when the data will be released. Expectations are for core inflation, and that is really the measure the Fed looks at, to have risen just 0.2% on the month and 4.7% on the year. To put the yearly figure in perspective, this would be the lowest rise since October 2021 and a sharp decline from a peak of 6.6% last September. So let's assume bearing any upside surprises in the inflation report, our research thinks that the Fed is done with raising rates. And maybe if I can add, Helen, on inflation, Japan producer prices were released earlier and they rose just 3.6% percent on the year, the slowest in rise in more than two years, supporting the central bank's view that inflation may be peaking. This is also weighing on the Japanese yen today, which crossed the 144 level against the US dollar. And I saw that US equity markets were mostly lower yesterday. What's the story there? Yes, uh, the S&P 500 fell 0.7%, but with the VIX index, so a fear measure, not moving much and still at a very low level, one probably does not have to read too much into yesterday's move. U.S. stocks have been volatile uh, this month amid concerns that this year's rally may have gone too far. And maybe it was yesterday just a wait-and-see day before today's U.S. inflation report. But there were some notable moves. Uh, NVIDIA uh, was down 4.7% and Tesla fell 3%. If I may add, Helen, European markets did fare better yesterday, closing in the green as especially Italy rebounded. The government from that country clarified that it's new, hastily, earlier this week announced tax on banks, windfall profits will not exceed 0.1% of a firm's assets. So the banks in Italy yesterday rose again. Okay. Um, now, there have also been some concerns that U.S. long-term bond yields will rise as the U.S. Treasury is expected to tap the market for $1 trillion U.S. trillion this quarter and $852 billion in Q4. But I see that the $38 billion auction for a 10-year Treasury note yesterday went pretty well. Yes, indeed, uh, that's the case. Uh, Investors settled for a yield of less than 4%, although, uh, to be exact, the yield was 3.999%. But I I guess that the bigger message here is that it was the third straight 10-year new issue to pay a fixed rate of less than 4%. And so Treasury supply is not the only game in town when it comes to setting the level of bond yields. Its reaction to today's inflation report may be more telling. 
I see that technology stocks are down 1.5% in Hong Kong today following an announcement by the Biden administration that they will regulate US investments in some Chinese semiconductor, quantum computing and artificial intelligence firms on national security grounds. Do you have any more details on this? Yes, uh, this measure has been long awaited and Biden administration officials said the order targets those who look to acquire equity interest in restricted Chinese company. It's expected to be limited to Chinese startups and larger firms that get over 50% of their revenue from the restricted sectors that you just mentioned. But uh, Helen, please bear in mind that the rules still need to be worked out. But what I could read based on uh, media reports, it seems that the tone set by the Biden administration is not as China hawkish as some had expected or wished for. Okay, and in Asia otherwise, any other news there? Yes, one interesting news item I picked up. China has apparently lifted a ban on group travel. I didn't know that they had this to a number of countries, including the US, UK, Australia, South Korea and Japan. This could well be a major boost to the global tourism market, as it is not difficult to imagine. Now, tourism and travel stocks in Asia reacted well to this news. So be on the lookout not only for these tourists, but also how travel shares in Europe and the UK will be reacting this week. Okay, so really quite a lot going on then, despite the fact that we're in peak summer holiday mode in Europe and the US. Yes, indeed. Very true, Helen. And just lastly then, oil and natural gas prices are rising, but rice is also in the news as its price is going up as well. Can you explain briefly? Yes. So very briefly, oil is being driven higher by geopolitical tensions. Uh, again, yesterday after Ukrainian drone attacked a Russian flagged oil tanker over the weekend. So there it's about geopolitics. Natural gas in Europe and the US rose as a strike at facilities in Australia may, may reduce the world's LNG production this year by 10%. So there it is, labor disputes. And some prices for rice in Asia are at their highest in 15 years, as the Thai government has encouraged farmers to switch to crops that need less water as the nation braces for drier conditions with the onset of El Nino. So there it is weather-related. So that's all from me today. Thanks a lot, Helen. Great. Thanks very much, Mike, for the interesting roundup this morning. Now, Ronnie, thank you for joining us this morning as well. I'll start by just asking for your latest thoughts on financial markets. Morning, Helen. Pleasure to be on here again. So recently, we've had a closer look at China where incoming economic data continues to surprise to the downside. In fact, our view is that China may well be in the midst of a balance sheet recession. For those who aren't familiar with the term, it was famously coined by Richard Ku, the chief economist at Nomura. And it describes a situation where the private sector in an economy prefers to minimize debt, with the result that conventional monetary policy is rendered pretty much powerless, because essentially no matter how low interest rates are, households and companies still prioritize to deleverage their balance sheets. Now Richard Ku, he recently commented on the situation in China, and he compared it to what happened in Japan in the 1990s. Back then, Japan faced a major balance sheet recession after the bursting of its real estate bubble. 
As a result, Japanese companies pretty much spent about 20 years repairing their balance sheets by paying down their debt. To be clear, improving balance sheet quality is actually not a bad thing from the perspective of individual companies and households. But you know, when everyone suddenly does it at the same time, it's hugely deflationary. In the 1990s, Japanese policymakers did not know exactly what they were dealing with. And as a consequence, their policy responses were too slow, too small, and too short-lived. But you know, for Chinese policymakers, this is good news, actually, because they are in the fortunate position of being able to draw on the Japanese precedent and adapt their policies accordingly. So what are you saying? Is now the time to invest in Chinese assets? Well, we still remain strategically cautious on Chinese capital markets as a whole, as China continues to face some serious structural issues that extend well beyond the short term. You know, there is an aging population, there are geopolitical tensions with the West, there is a rather unpredictable regulatory environment, and there is also a risk of falling into the middle income trap, to name just a few examples. And all of this has led us to reclassify China as a cyclical asset as early as in 2021, which means that for now it's really something you want to trade in and out of at appropriate times, but you definitely don't need a strategic allocation in your portfolio. The upside here is that weak Chinese demand is a headwind for global commodity prices, which is helping countries in the West to stay on a sustainable disinflationary path for the time being. Okay, so you just referred to the West. What's the current situation in the US? Yeah, so overall, we're looking actually at a fairly benign picture as far as the US economy is concerned. First, economic growth is proving surprisingly resilient, underpinned by a strong consumer, but also by business investment that holds up well. Second, the US disinflation trend remains intact. And even if it may not follow a linear trend going forward as base effects become less favorable, we are well of the opinion that the peak of US inflation fears is behind us. As we heard before, we will be presented with the latest data point later today. But again, this inflation is set to continue. And third, we are finally also seeing signs of a cooling labor market which should allow the Fed to step back and adopt a wait-and-see approach in the second half of the year. So to sum up, unless there are major external shocks, it is very hard for us to see a compelling bear case for the coming months. And the soft landing scenario remains our base case for the US. So do you think we'll see a continuation of the rally in US equities that started in January then? Well, we've been arguing for some time now that a short-term market consolidation, you know, nothing major, but something in the single-digit percentage range would be welcome to restore the technical health of the market. Um, investor sentiment has improved markedly in recent weeks, and it, uh, it is these shifts in sentiment that tend to lead to overly one-sided positioning, ultimately leaving the market vulnerable to sharp corrections. And in fact, US equities have already lost some momentum in recent days. After five consecutive months of gains, they eventually showed some weakness as we entered August. But again, this is good news from a market technical point of view. 
And such bull market corrections should ultimately allow the overall uptrend in equities to continue into year-end. That's all from my side. Back to you, Helen. Okay, great. Thanks very much, Ronnie. Good to hear from you this morning. So that is all for today. Thanks very much to today's guests and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback. And do join us again tomorrow when I'll be speaking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. Until then, have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer, we would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.